This morning we're talking about silence and solitude as we finish up our two-week series on rhythms of rest. Rhythms of rest. So please stand as I read a few foundational introductory passages for us today. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 1 through 3. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Draw near to listen. It's better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they're doing and that it is evil. Do not be rash with your words, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness, and a fool's voice with many words. Flip over to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25 through 29. Lamentations three twenty-five through 29. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. And then flip over to Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Isaiah 30, 15. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. God, I pray that you would quiet our busy souls and minds this morning so that we could hear a word from you. Lord, let not the next 30 to 40 minutes of talk be Andrew's thoughts, Andrew's ideas, Andrew's words, but Lord, may they be filled with your direction, with your guidance, with your voice, empowered by your spirit for our busy bodies our busy minds, our weary souls to find its rest in you. For your glory, for our good and the advancement of your gospel, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to talk about biblical rhythms of rest known as silence and solitude. Last week we looked, we looked at Sabbath and sabbatical, the foundational biblical principles for rest. And then this week, the secondary principles, silence and solitude. And I want you to know before we get into this that I'm drawing from three primary sources. The Bible, number one, so we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture. Usually we take one chunk of scripture and we kind of dig it apart and look at that. But today we're going to look at multiple passages that give us this idea of silence and solitude. So I'm drawing from the Bible primarily, and then Richard Foster secondarily, and John Mark Comer. I've learned a lot from those two brothers in the faith on this topic. And so um, I'm not going to tell you when I'm necessarily quoting them, because I don't think I'm quoting them verbatim. I've just drawn a lot from them. And so this entire sermon is credit to the Bible, to Richard Foster, to John Mark Comer. Um, Give them credit where it's due. I hope God uses our time this morning to do two things. Number one, to shed light on one of our biggest problems. One of the biggest problems for our souls to feel the love of God. And then I want to apply the good news of Jesus to this problem. So first, the problem. What is our problem? Well, good question. What is your problem? What's my problem? We all have various sets of problems. Amen? It's okay to admit that. Welcome to church. We're a mess. We all have our problems. But there's one problem that plagues all of us, especially in our current culture, and it's noise. Busyness, distraction, ads, voices, 
all of the noise that we hear in a day, it's estimated that the average American sees six to 10,000 ads in one day. I tried to pay attention to this on Thursday. I tried to count it up for myself and I gave up by 8 a.m. because everywhere I looked, there was an ad. Any website I went to, any street I drove down, there's, in my neighborhood, there's yard signs all over with ads trying to get you to use this house for this, this uh, company for your house remodel, trying to get you to use this company for your roof to be redone, trying to get you to use this company for your landscaping. Every single thing that you do online, it's filled with an ad or multiple ads. Google alone, in 2020, made $181 billion off of ads. $181 billion off of ads. Facebook made $84 billion. Facebook. It's not a surprise, right? You jump online to check out what your friends are posting, and all of a sudden you're buying a new pair of jeans and you're signing up for a 30-day free trial to the greatest workout plan or diet plan, right? Which you're inevitably going to pay for for a year because that's how it happens, right? They get you with these ads. Everywhere there's noise, I was paying attention this week to people walking through my neighborhood and then when I was out running on the trail to people walking on the trail and everybody, now I give a pass to people who are biking or running to have earbuds in, right? Because you can't run in silence. You hear your own breathing, that's awful. But walkers, it's like they're out to have some peace and quiet. Walkers out with their dogs, they all have earbuds in. All of them listening to podcasts and, and rather than going out and listening to the birds chirp and we're constantly filled with noise, right? Maybe you're like me, you jump in your car, you can't handle the silence, so you turn on the latest podcast or Spotify or the radio. We are filled with noise. Noise is like a medication that works to suppress the spiritual symptoms, the, the, the symptoms of spiritual cancer festering in many of our souls. Noise is like a medication that suppresses the spiritual symptoms of cancer in our souls. Think of it like putting a child's band-aid on a severed arm. That's what noise is for us. That's, that's why we binge watch Netflix. Because we know there's something wrong and broken and hurried and busy in our soul, but I don't want to deal with that, and so I'll binge watch Netflix, I'll listen to the latest podcast, I'll, I'll continue to listen to music. I don't want to go out and be silent and to listen because that's going to bring up all the junk in my soul, and so we drown it out. It's nearly impossible to find silence in our busy world. And it's leading to spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical death for many of us. And it's in this place that the constant soul-sucking noise that we live in, that God's word, his ancient word, his ancient wisdom gives us rest for our weary souls. And it's through the rhythms of the practices of silence and solitude. So this morning, let's start with silence. We're going to talk about both silence and solitude, and these two go very well together. But first, let's talk about silence. I'm defining silence for us. For this purpose, as silence has both an internal and external components. External silence involves shutting your mouth and guarding your ears and eyes. I just, I love that verse from Lamentations. It says, a man should put his mouth in the dust. I love when God's word is like, shut your mouth. Sometimes it's good for you. And here I am talking for half an hour. I'll go shut my mouth on sabbatical. But how, how good for us. Ecclesiastes said, be careful when you go to the house of God to speak many words, to share your dreams, to share your visions. Who are you? Listen to the voice 
of the Lord. And so silence has this component of external silence. It means stop talking. Listen. It means to, to guard your ears and your eyes. Pay attention to what you see and to what you hear. Be aware of the fact that in any given day, you may see up to 10,000 ads busy in your life, cluttering your, cluttering your life, creating this, this noise in your life. I have to have this. I have to know this. I have to compare these things. I have to listen to this person. I'm not going to listen to that person. I don't know what to think about this. I don't know what to think about that. Let me pop in my podcast and learn. And then, ooh, the ad comes up on your podcast. Oh, I need to buy this book. I need to buy that book. I need to check out this podcast. I need to follow that author down this rabbit trail. Silence involves this external component where you stop talking because you don't know nearly as much as you think you do. You also stop listening to all of the people who think they know all of the things that they want you to think that they know so that you would buy their product, right? And so this is a piece of silence. Silence also has an internal component. It's quieting your soul and opening up to God. So this external component is the piece that, that, that we can control, right? It, it, it's this thing, we stop talking and, and we stop taking in so much peripheral information. That's the external thing that we do. We remove ourselves from the noise. We remove ourselves from the busyness, which is where solitude comes in. We'll talk about that in a bit. But we remove ourselves, and then, and then all of a sudden, internally, we start to have time where God starts to reveal stuff to us where our soul is actually quiet enough that it becomes open to the realities around us, to the realities internal within us, what God is doing, what he's convicting us of, what he's, what he's encouraging us with, what he's trying to work out in us. External silence. Let's just consider a few verses that support this. All the ones that I read to start us supported this, but look at Proverbs 17, or consider Proverbs 17, 27 through 28. Whoever restrains his words has a knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. I want a cool spirit. I, I just love that language in the Bible. He who has a cool spirit. You know what cool means in Hebrew? Cool. Like calm, chill, relaxed. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. That's really good word for some of us. Or consider James 1, 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This is done so that we could actually receive from God and from others. God may use others to speak into our lives, but again, silence sometimes is, is cutting out other voices. Ultimately, it's, it's to be people who are humble enough to receive from God and from others God's wisdom. And it's in this, it's when we focus on that external silence, right? We turn off the radio, we turn off Spotify, we turn off the podcast, we turn off the noise, we shut down social media, we stop listening to the news, we just pause. It's in that external act of silence that this internal silence begins to be revealed. Consider Psalm 62, 5 through 7. The psalmist says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. 
on God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. See, as we silence our souls, as we silence the noisy busyness in our lives, it gives our, chance, our soul a chance to be silent before God. For God to actually begin to convict us, to encourage us, to work on us, to reveal sin patterns, to reveal unhealthy thought patterns, to reveal whatever it is, past hurts, past offenses, past abuses that we've been carrying. Maybe you've been carrying trauma for years from some type of abuse or harm. And in silence, God may begin to speak to your soul and to heal you of these past wounds. Ruth Haley Barton, in her book, I forget the title of the book. She writes this. It's on spiritual disciplines. She says, The longing for solitude, which, which we all have, right? I mean, we all want a place of quiet and calm. She says, The longing for solitude is the longing to find ourselves. It's to be in touch. Uh, we'll go to solitude in just a minute, Eric. Um, I know I said the word solitude, but we're still on silence here. Silence leading us into solitude. Ruth Haley Barton, The longing for solitude is the longing to find ourselves to be to be in touch with what is most real within us. What, which, uh, which is more solid and enduring than what defines us externally? What's going on in us is more solid and enduring than what's going on around us. She says, this is our soul. The soul is the external place, the very center of our being that is known by God. It's guarded and grounded in God, and it's one with God. So we work for external silence so that we can experience internal silence, so that we can be reminded of what's true and right and good. As the psalmist says here, I will not be shaken. When you listen to too many voices, when you, when you give in to the constant noise of the culture, you're shaken, right? And so when you can silence some of that noise and be still and be quiet and be with God, all of a sudden, you start to find this inner strength. You, you're reminded of who God is, but it takes some mess to get there. It's scary. Silence in solitude is scary. I love how 21 Pilots puts it in their song, Car Radio. This song has spoken more to my soul in this past year than many songs. Not a worship song, not a Christian song, but I love their understanding of silence. So this, I'm going to read you some of the lyrics from Car Radio by 21 Pilots. They're singing about their car radio being stolen and the silence that it creates and what it reveals in the soul. He says, I have these thoughts. So often I ought to replace that slot with what I once bought because somebody stole my car radio and now I just sit in silence. Sometimes quiet is violent. I find it hard to hide. My pride is no longer inside. It's on my sleeve. I hate this car that I'm driving. There's no hiding for me. I'm forced to deal with what I feel. There's no distraction to mask what is real. I could pull the steering wheel. I have these thoughts, so often I ought to replace that slot with what I once bought because somebody stole my car radio and now I just sit in silence. I ponder of something terrifying because at this time there's no sound to hide behind. I find over the course of our human existence, one thing consists of consistence, and it's that we're all battling fear. Oh dear, I don't know why we're here. Oh my, too deep, please stop thinking. I liked it better when my car had sound. And how true is that for so many of us, that there's so much sound, so much noise, that we just keep ourselves busy. 
and we know that there's something deep in our soul that longs for more, it yearns for more, it wants more, but who has time and who wants to go down that deep, dark hole and have these deep thoughts and wrestle through these questions and, and, and I don't have time to even scratch the surface of all that, so I'll just keep listening, I'll keep the noise, I'll keep the busyness. And so, church, I encourage us to seek silence, to work for it. One of the ways to do that, one of the best ways to do that is in solitude. And so here's what solitude is. Solitude is getting away from the demands and responsibilities to creation in order to be refreshed by the creator for the purpose of re-engaging. Solitude is removing yourselves from the demands and the responsibilities to creation. How many times do we feel burned out, we feel stressed out by the demands of the people around us? Good demands. And God has created mankind to have dominion and to create and to to be co-creators with God. God created everything that we see, that we know. And then he said to mankind, you are to create like me. And so build, create, create love, create babies, create infrastructures, create cities, build homes, plant gardens, Work with me, toil in the ground and in your relationships. And so we as human beings are called to do that, right? Solitude isn't running away from that. Solitude is simply taking a break from that so that we could be with the creator. It's taking a break from all the demands that are on us as created beings who now have been given the task to steward creation, right? There's a lot of demands, a lot of stress, a lot of pressure that goes on being a co-creator, being a steward of God's good creation. And solitude is when we intentionally pull away from those demands and those responsibilities for a season of time so that we could be with the creator, to be with God for the purpose of now re-engaging his creation, right? Solitude is different than isolation. Isolation is where we ignore the demands and the responsibilities of creation. It's when you don't respond to that text or that phone call when you really know you should. But it just, it, it stresses me out. That person's annoying. I'm not going to deal with it. But you know internally, like, I should care. I should respond. Isolation is just ignoring it. Isolation is when you binge watch Netflix when you know I should turn it off and I should go outside. Isolation is, is ignoring people, ignoring things, ignoring the things that stress you out rather than engaging them. But sometimes you isolate because you haven't taken the time to solitude, to be silent and still, to get away. See, we start to isolate from the things that actually matter when we haven't spent time with the one who matters most. And so if you find yourself in a pattern of isolation, maybe that's God saying, why don't you come away? Come away, be with me. You need time. You need to be recharged. You need to be re-energized. And so come and spend time with me, your creator, so that you could go and you could respond and you could re-engage with insight and with passion and with love and with patience. That's what solitude is. Solitude is intentionally getting away to be be filled with the Father's love so that we could go out and love others like the Father. And nobody models this for us better than Jesus. Jesus gives us patterns of solitude. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Before Jesus starts his ministry, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Well, yeah, maybe he was hangry. Although Jesus only had righteous anger, so probably wasn't hangry. But before Jesus starts his public earthly ministry, he goes into the wilderness. The Greek word for wilderness is eremos. It can mean wilderness. It means solitude. It means a solitary place. Literally, it means a, a place where there's a lack of population. So sometimes we see wilderness, and, and there's some really cool imagery here with, with Jesus, uh, with God sending the Israelites on a circle tour of the wilderness in Sinai, right, before they go into the promised land, disciplining them, and Jesus for 40 days is out in the wilderness. He's in a solitary place. That's really what it means. It doesn't mean that he was in a desert. He was in a place where there weren't people. Before he starts his ministry, he spends 40 days with God, fasting in silence and solitude, modeling for us how you and I ought to engage. In Mark chapter 1, verse 3, it says, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. The same Greek word, eremos. A desolate, a quiet, a solitary place. The wilderness, literally a lack of population. Jesus does this time and time again in his ministry. He's filled with the demands of creation, right? And the responsibilities to creation. Jesus, fully God, fully man, he models for us what it looks like to be a created man and woman who, who has responsibility, who has oversight, who has influence. And so he has these crowds of people following him, asking him for more, asking him for more, more miracles, more teachings, more healings. And he gets up early and he pulls away to be with the Father. He goes to Eremos, a desolate place, a quiet place, a still place, because he knows how necessary it is for his soul to be recharged, refreshed by the Father before he can re-engage his ministry, his creation work. And then look at Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 31. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And so they had just gone out in ministry. They had preached, they had proclaimed, they had healed people, they had done a lot in the name of Jesus. They had come back, Jesus, this is amazing. Look at what we've done. Look at what we've taught. And he says to them, come away by yourself to a desolate place, a ramos, a solitary place, and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. See, they were being spent. They were being poured out for the ministry of the gospel, which is the posture of the Christian life. Our primary engagement with the world should be being poured out for the glory of God, for the good of other people, and the advancement of his gospel. To pour ourselves out, to work hard, to to, to give everything that we can to loving God and loving others. But in order to do that, we have to have seasons where we pull away to be with just God, to, to, to refocus, to get a little balance in our lives, to hear the voice of the Father so that we can love others with the love of the Father. Jesus models this for us. As the disciples are busy, he says, come away with me. Come away with me. Come away with me. And I will fill your weary soul. How many of you need that this morning? Church, as I leave for three months on sabbatical, 
One of my main goals is to be silent with the Lord and to find solitary places. And I know not all of us have jobs where we get three months of sabbatical, so thank you for gifting me with that. But all of us have the control of our schedule to a certain point where we can say, will I get a way to be with God? Can I get an afternoon to go and sit in silence, to find a solitary place away from people, to turn off the podcast, to turn off Spotify. And maybe you use part of the time to podcast, a part of the time to listen to worship music, part of the time to read scripture, part of the time to maybe read a book that stirs your souls with affection for Christ, but ultimately to find a significant period of time, whether it's a day, a few days, half a day, to just be still and quiet and to let God minister to your soul. Jesus invites his busy disciples who had just done so much in the name of the Lord. And this applies to each one of us. Maybe, maybe your ministry isn't filled with like the disciples here. They, had, they returned to Jesus and told him that all that they had done and taught. And so they were out teaching specifically. They were like pastors in training, teaching the good news of the kingdom. And they were healing people of their diseases and demon oppression. Maybe that's not your life. Maybe your life is going into an office Monday through Friday and having the same old conversations and the same old small talk with the same old coworkers. But Jesus has placed you there so that you could love anybody in your sphere of influence in word and deed. You, as God's creation, have been called to steward his creation. And this is taxing, it's tiring, it's wearing you down. And maybe you're running to Jesus saying, Jesus, look at all that I've done. I've done some really good things. I've, I've given a lot of money away to ministries. I've helped at a lot of homeless shelters. I'm, I'm caring for my neighbor. I'm doing all these things. Or maybe you feel like I'm not doing enough. Either way, part of what you need is to hear Jesus' invitation. Come away. Maybe you're not doing enough because you haven't gotten away and God hasn't re-energized you and given you vision. Maybe you feel like, I'm, I'm just kind of lazy as a Christian and I'm self-centered as a Christian and my eyes and my time always turn inward and I'm always worried about me and mine and I, and I feel guilty about not caring for others well enough. Maybe the first thing that you need to do to care for others is to care for your soul by getting alone with God and allowing him to convict you rather than the words of a pastor or a podcast or a book. Amen? Far too many people, I've seen this time and time again, they read a book like something titled Radical by David Platt. Nothing against that book or David Platt, but people read this book about living radically for God and then they're like, I gotta sell everything and move overseas or you read Crazy Love by Francis Chan and the same thing happens and it's, you've been listening to the voice of another person. You haven't actually pulled away to be with God. What does God want from you? Maybe God doesn't want you to move to Africa as a missionary. Maybe God wants you to pull away, spend some time with him, and then plug in at your work in your neighborhood, loving others with the love of the Father. But you haven't received the love of the Father well enough to know that. And so if you're the type who feels guilty that you're not doing enough, like you can't, like the apostle, run to Jesus and say, Jesus, look at all the things that I've done. Maybe his invitation to you is, Come. Come away by yourself to a desolate place so that I could speak to you. And I could tell you how to do more and teach more in your sphere of influence. 
Maybe you're the type who does feel really good about all that you've done. You're running to Jesus. Jesus, look at what I've done. Look at what I've done. I've taught a lot. I've helped a lot of people. I've served a lot. I've given things away. I am a rock star Christian. And his call to you is, come away by yourself so I can slap you upside the head and knock that pride out of you. Come, come away by your, Like that song from 21 Pilots. I just love this. He, even, he gets into our, our sin nature, right? Pride. He talks about, he, I, can't find, I can't hide my pride. My pride is no longer inside. It's on my sleeve. In silence and solitude, God will reveal to you what your issues are. He will convict you of your sin and he will encourage you with his grace. And doesn't your soul need that? He's not calling you away, I, I jokingly said, to slap you upside the head and knock the pride out of you. Well, there may be a loving slap followed by an encouraging, loving embrace. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that the Lord disciplines the son or the daughter that he loves, and his discipline isn't to punish us or to shame us, it's to help us grow. And so, wherever you're at this morning, I I invite you to take seriously these words of Jesus, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest for a while. Regardless of where you're at this morning, that's the invitation for you. I'm going to invite you, and I know that there's going to be a little bit of background noise here. This isn't really a place of great silence and solitude. But I'm going to invite us as a congregation to just be silent for a few moments and on our knees in a posture of humility before the Lord. So if you would join me in silence on your knees if you're comfortable with it. If you're in the process of willfully surrendering your life to Jesus, I invite you to take the communion cup in front of you and join me in communion. The night before Jesus was crucified, he was with the disciples having a common meal. As they were, he took the bread and he broke it And after breaking it, he gave it to the disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Let's take it together. And after eating 
the bread, he took a cup, and when he had given thanks for it, he passed it to the disciples, and he said, drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Jesus, we thank you for your invitation. Invitation for us to be silent, for us to be still, for us to pull away to be with you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you modeled for us how we ought to live, and we thank you that you sacrificed for us for when we fail to live in the ways that you modeled. Jesus, we are so often disobedient children, and yet you paid the price of our disobedience and you empower us for more. So Lord, we cling to you, Jesus, this morning, not as failures, but as people who have been forgiven and filled with a new spirit and have a new hope. May we go out as people who in a noisy, busy world can practice silence and solitude and give this desperate world a picture of what's good for mankind and for their souls. May we lead the way in this busy, noisy, cultural moment where people are depressed, burned out, and stressed. May the church of Jesus Christ, may the people of God bring a light into that darkness. For your glory, for our good, and the advancement of your gospel, we pray. Amen.